episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected is brought to you by Bridgeside Medical Clinic, Chesapeake Integrated Behavioral Healthcare, and Edgar Casey's ARE. Now more than ever, we have an opportunity to be a positive force in the world, to help heal the divide, to treat each other and ourselves with respect. But with so many tools out there from meditation to physical training, proper nutrition, therapy, and so many others, we all need a little help navigating all the options. Join us as we share in-depth information, insights, and thought-provoking discussions that will help answer your questions about how to stay calm, cool, and connected during these times. Welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected, your guidebook to peace of mind. Hello, and welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected. I'm your host, Dr. Elizabeth Bedrick. Addiction is something that can truly destroy someone's life in so many ways, personally, professionally, and certainly relationally. Our next guest, Adam Hill, makes an interesting and thought-provoking assertion about addiction by saying that there's always a level beneath what you think is rock bottom. In spite of what you think, it can always get worse. However, for Adam, things got better instead of worse as he decided to get sober and ultimately went on to compete at the Ironman World Stage in Kona, Hawaii. Adam's here to talk with us today about his journey from rock bottom to being an extraordinary athlete. Hi, Adam. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad to have you. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about who is Adam? Tell us a little bit about who you are before we jump in. Well, I think the most important part is I love to wear a Speedo. Uh, that, that's a new development, uh, of course, over the last decade or so, but uh, yeah, never, never before. But no, I, I, yeah, so I grew up with an anxiety disorder. That's been one of my defining characteristics through my growth in it in life and, and eventually leading into my alcoholism that led into the downward spiral that that became my life for about a decade in my 20s and early 30s and since then since becoming sober i've become a triathlete become an executive become a coach and found that just the things that i've learned in sobriety and that i've learned that basically leaning into hope that there is a miracle beyond, beyond desperation that even in that point of the lowest hopelessness that you could possibly experience, where, where you feel like there's no way out, the miracles that exist in this life are just amazing. And so that's what I try and share with, the, with, with people today. Certainly, beautiful message. Tell us a little bit about your story, you know, just a, a brief version of your story with addiction. I understand that there's nothing brief about it, but how it kind of started and then evolved over time. Yeah, so I, I developed an anxiety disorder, well, or, Throughout my life, it was running dormant within me. I was always kind of a worrier in my younger life and experienced that in certain ways that, you know, I, I became a spaz or I became socially awkward. I didn't feel like I had a lot of a lot of friends, but mainly I just didn't really recognize that I had this uh, this anxiety within me. We didn't talk about it back then. And so once I got into college, I, I started to drink alcohol like many college kids do at the very beginning. There weren't a lot of consequences. I would have a couple of beers and, and really nothing different than anybody else would do. And I found that what it did was it, it took me to this new level of socialization or, or being social and, and just subdued that anxiety to the extent that I found that as a solution. And I leaned into it and I kept doing it until I started developing uh, uh, stronger levels of anxiety, uh, panic attacks, and all of those sorts of things. And then finally, when I discovered that I actually had this anxiety disorder, this generalized anxiety disorder with panic attacks, I 
by then I was already full blown into the alcoholism and, and was doing that as, as my solution. Mm. And so that, that's kind of the genesis in a very, very small nutshell of, of what happened in my life. Sure. And when you talk about rock bottom and, and like I said in the intro that, that when I read that in your information about there's always a level beneath, um, that really was pretty thought provoking to me because I was like, good point. We talk so often about, okay, when you hit rock bottom, then you get motivated to do something different. But I mean, you make a very compelling point that there's always something beneath that. Tell us what, what was what you perceived to be your rock bottom and kind of where that thought process came from. Yeah, I've had a number of rock bottoms in my life. So a number of times where I had this period of complete demoralization where I, I did something that was so embarrassed by or so humiliated or so shamed by that I never wanted to drink again. And of course, during those times, I went into AA and I got sober and then eventually I would relapse. And yeah. I would find that each progressive time that I went back out, it would get worse. It, it never, ever got better and it went more quickly. So it is a progressive disease. That sure. is really true. And I would always set a number of rules for myself that, you know, uh, that, that would that I made me believe that I could control it in terms sure. of like not drinking on the week or not drinking during the week, not drinking after a certain hour or, or not drinking and driving. And eventually I broke every single one of those rules. And the biggest rule that I would never break was drinking and driving. I, I just hated those people. And that was just not me until one day I did do it. And that was my last rock bottom. And that was your catalyst that led into sobriety. Yeah. That... And how did you, for, you know, our audience who's listening and there is so much desperation and even just hopelessness or helplessness around getting sober or as you're saying, staying sober, what were some of those key factors for you that allowed you to maintain your sobriety? The first one was definitely willingness. And that was so important because the previous times I would do it for my wife, I would, you know, do, I would get sober for my wife or to get the heat off or to, or to subdue the anxiety that I had at that point was just to go in and like, just kind of get my head full of AA and then leave again. But at this time it was complete willingness every single day. And then doing just whatever I was told, following the framework to the T of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the program that I chose. There are many programs. I'm not trying to promote one, but that's the one sure. for me. And it, and, and the reason I believe it worked was because it was a framework, a simple framework, 12 steps that, you know, if you follow it to the T and you just do what you're told, it, you have a much better chance of getting sober and, and leaning into it. So that was helpful. Sure. I mean, and that is so true. Sticking with the structure and being consistent and all of those things that w we know are the key ingredients for reaching any goal that would make a lot of sense for that to be tied in with the sobriety as well. Tell us about your transition though. So, I mean, first of all, it was amazing to get sober, of course. I mean, that's a huge feat. But then in addition, you went on to do one Ironman, multiple Iron Men. <laughs> what, did you, what did you do from there? Tell us about that journey. Yeah. So I've, I've done 10 Ironmans since I've been oh, sober. Oh, wow. And, and yeah. So when I got sober, you're exactly right. It was something I never thought that I could do because I failed at it so many times before and the, and the addiction was so powerful in me that I just didn't believe that I could do it. And then when I did have about a year of sobriety, I, I'd always been told within sobriety never to make any major life changes until you have a year of sobriety. Sure. And that kind of resonated with me to, to say, 
well, then I have to make a major life change to your sobriety. That was the big deal. And I had seen the Ironman World Championship many years earlier when I was in my addiction. And I remember watching it. I remember being so inspired by the people that were crossing the finish line. These were normal people. These were people that were, had day jobs. They were, they, they were people that, you know, overcame their own challenges. And I was so inspired by that. But I remember that, that little twinge of, of, man, I wish I could do that. And then the second thought of, there's no way you could do that. That's not you. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so when I had that head full of sobriety, uh, a year of sobriety thinking and that, that mindset of empowerment that led me back to that moment of, of thinking about it, I had said, well, instead of saying, well, I could never do that. I said, well, what if I got sober? I did something. I had that frame of reference of sobriety yes. that I never thought I could do, have before. And I thought that this could be an additional supplement to that. And so I, so I started training. I'd, I'd never swam more than like a, a, I'd never swam organized way in any way. I didn't own sure. a road bike or anything like that. I, I had just quit smoking a month earlier. Oh <laughs> boy. It was, it was painful at first. Yeah. I, but I, I did, you know, a year later I became an Ironman, my first Ironman. And I, and I realized, man, I, I think I, you know, I think there's something here and I really love it. I'm really passionate about it. And I find that this is a way that I could practice discipline in a controlled way. I, and so it, so I, I, I committed to wanting to achieve the, the race that I saw, which was Ironman Hawaii. I wanted to qualify for that race. So that's what I spent the next four years trying to achieve. That's, it's so inspirational. And I love what you're describing. It's what I called with my clients, the snowball effect. When we can do hard things, we then prove to ourselves we can continue to do hard things. And that's exactly what you did. So tell us that. And where can our viewers find you? Where are you? Social media, website, where can you be found? Yeah, my website is adamhilltry.com. That's adamhilltri.com. And likewise, my Instagram handle is adamhilltry. And you can find me there. Those are the best places to find me. And I look forward to hearing from you. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here, Adam. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Call and Cool and Connected. Please make sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram. And also make sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast so that others can discover our content as well. Thank you again for joining us on this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected.